What up, Red Crew Army and New Japan fans? It is I, your host, Marie Shadows, and welcome back to part two of me reviewing New Japan Pro Wrestling Resurgence at the LA Coliseum that happened on August 14th. New Japan Pro Wrestling Resurgence is definitely show of the year. From start to finish, they gave us an excellent match card, great pacing, great story, and great surprises. In part one, I went over the first three matches, the opening match being Alex Coughlin versus Carl Fredericks, the second being a trios match on one side having Rocky Romero, Fred Rosser, and Wheeler Yuta taking on TJP, Clark Connors, and Ren Narita. And then the third match was a 10-man tag. On one side, we had Danny Limelight, Tom Lawler, J.R. Kratos, Royce Isaacs, Jarrell Nelson, taking on the team of Lilo Rush, Chris Dickinson, Fred Yeh, Adrian Quest, and the newly graduated young lion of New Japan Pro Wrestling, Yuya Yamura. So if you have not heard my review of part one of New Japan Pro Wrestling Resurgence, please just go back into the catalog of the Square Circle podcast and listen to that one first, because again, this is part two. And we're going to begin part two with Juice Robinson versus Hikaleo. So if I'm going to be honest for a second, I forgot that Juice Robinson and Hikaleo were going to be on the card. I do remember that when they announced the New Japan Pro Wrestling Resurgence at LA Coliseum, they also announced the names that will be appearing at the event. And the two names on there are definitely Hikaleo and Juice Robinson. However, the first match and graphic that was created and announced was Jay White versus David Finley for the Never Openweight Championship title. So we were all focused on that. Then more matches came about and we were focused on that and we totally forgot about Juice and Hikaleo, which is wrong. They didn't really give them a match. I didn't know what Juice would be doing. I didn't know what Hikaleo would be doing. On New Japan Strong, the Friday right before the Saturday of Resurgence, Hikaleo called out anyone that would accept his challenge for Resurgence. And honestly, he should have had a match booked before he had to go and beg on social media or just mention on social media that he was not booked. He does not have an opponent. Thus, why we got Juice Robinson. Juice Robinson accepted the challenge that Hikaleo threw out. And obviously, Juice Robinson is no slouch. Juice Robinson has become a diamond in the rough ever since leaving WWE, especially NXT. He didn't even make it to the main roster at that time. They gave him a stupid ass gimmick about saving the world and eco-friendly and stuff like that, which didn't really go over. And then he left and decided to go over to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And he has become that diamond that we all know that he was going to be. He's definitely flamboyant. He says whatever the hell he wants. He has no filter between his brain and his mouth. And that is what makes Juice Robinson special. Juice Robinson is also no stranger to fighting larger than life wrestlers than himself, meaning guys like Hikaleo, who's super tall and has a lot more power than Juice, guys like Lance Archer, guys like Jay White, guys like Tanahashi. So Juice has definitely proven himself in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's won the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship title twice. 
He also won the IWGP Tag Team Championship titles with David Finley and also won World Tag League with David Finley. So even with all of these accomplishments and everything that he's done in New Japan Pro Wrestling, Juice Robinson still has not broken out into the star that he should definitely be. He comes out like a rock star. He comes out like a million bucks. He has a cool theme song. Everyone loves him. He's definitely the fan favorite. However, when you put that up against other wrestlers, even though we shouldn't really be comparing, but the idea of wanting to be the star of everything, wanting to be in the conversation of everything should be something that Juice may want to look into and may want to develop further. He just needs to be that star that New Japan Pro Wrestling can actually push and maybe one day put the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title on Juice Robinson. Because right now I could definitely see him as another ace, another Tana, where if the company needs somebody to jump in for the sake of the company, for the sake of the business, you have Juice Robinson right there who's ready, willing, and able to do something like that. Hikaleo brings a different presence with him. He is a younger brother to the Gorillas of Destiny and part of Bullet Club as well. He's the tallest big man out of everyone in New Japan Strong. And even on the New Japan roster, aside from Lance Archer, Lance Archer is a very towering, intimidating dude. And Hikaleo could be the same way as well. Hikaleo brings that confidence with him everywhere that he goes. He knows that he's going to destroy shit and whip everybody's ass. He had a fantastic match against Fred Roster. He also had a fantastic match against Lance Archer on AEW Dynamite to try and take the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship away from Lance Archer. But unfortunately, the young gun Hikaleo did not manage to do that. So why would New Japan Pro Wrestling forget about their young star that gained more credit than anyone else announced on the card? Why did it take so long to give Hikaleo a match at Resurgence? If anything, he should have got a graphic card as well. And we should have been talking about his match rather than at the last second to be like, hey, Hikaleo now has a match. And the match was good between Hikaleo and Juice Robinson. I just wish it didn't end at the nine minute mark and went a little bit further. There could have been a little bit more story told there, the frustration from Hikaleo with the confidence that he has, that he's able to beat Juice Robinson, that Juice Robinson should have never taken his challenge in the first place, even though that's what Hikaleo wanted because he wanted to be on the card. But for the sake of story to basically destroy Juice so that way Juice can understand that Hikaleo has all this power. Hikaleo was very dominating and intimidating, even though that'll be one sided and Juice can obviously still play up the underdog story, which he's been doing his whole entire life. Juice Robinson is definitely the underdog in any professional wrestling promotion that he goes to. And so is his partner, David Finley. And that's why they work really well together. And I've never really considered this before in professional wrestling that we have a tag team and both of the members are two huge underdogs waiting to really break out and really become the best wrestlers in the world. So the opening story of this match is 
based on those headlocks that Juice Robinson had on Hikaleo, keeping him grounded, keeping the big man off of his feet sometimes and trying to control the pace of the match. This almost felt like teacher versus student, veteran versus young wrestler. I can't call Hikaleo a young lion, even though he once was, but Hikaleo is still young in the wrestling business. So this kind of felt like that kind of dynamic. Juice Robinson is leading him through the match, but Hikaleo is strong and powerful. So therefore, Hikaleo definitely uses his strength to his advantage. Hikaleo does a side slam to Juice and also throws some punches, reminding the world and reminding Juice that he's here for a fight and he's not going to give up just easily. We get a crossbody to the outside from Juice, some punches from him, and then Hikaleo takes advantage of Juice on the outside. This is where Bullet Club is dangerous, and I've mentioned this before on my previous podcast episodes, that Bullet Club knows how to use the environment to their advantage. Even though Juice decided to do the crossbody on the outside to Hikaleo, Juice should definitely know better that when it comes to fighting a Bullet Club member, that they're going to use the barricades, the ring apron, the ring post, anything to their advantage to weaken their opponent and get the victory. It's guerrilla tactics. That's all it is. And Hikaleo does pick up Juice Robinson and drops him chest first onto the guardrail. Then he rolls into the ring to break the referee's count just to roll back out and do some more damage. Hikaleo does a wonderful vertical suplex to Juice Robinson and Juice manages to kick out of the pin attempt. Hikaleo then has Juice Robinson in his grip. Juice manages to break free from it and Hikaleo manages to do a wonderful power slam. And then we see Juice Robinson's super strength where he power bombs Hikaleo to the mat. I was not expecting something like that. Not everyone could take Hikaleo off his feet like that and do a power bomb to him. So at this point, Juice has the upper hand and he's laying down punches to Hikaleo and hits him with the left hand of God. Finally, Hikaleo is down to at least one knee during this whole entire match. Aside from the starting story point of the match, Juice has been trying to take Hikaleo off of his feet. As much as Juice is in control of this match, Hikaleo manages to do a lariat to Juice that looks so devastating. And then Hikaleo set up Juice for the Tongan driver. And this is where pins and roll-ups are the worst moves in professional wrestling. They come out of anywhere. They come out of nowhere. No one really expects to sometimes be rolled up a victory roll in order to get the victory. That is right. Hikaleo sets up for the Tongan driver. And here comes Juice Robinson to outsmart him. Does a victory roll pin and gets the win. One, two, three over Hikaleo. Now, that was a shock to me. That took my breath away. It took away the breath of the fans as well. It sort of felt odd that Juice will win, even though Juice is a veteran and maybe it made sense. And maybe it's going to make sense when we find out that probably Hikaleo was the one that attacked Juice Robinson at this week's Impact tapings. Who knows? But Hikaleo suffered a loss. 
which is not good. Even though you hear his frustrations behind his words and you know that the payoff is going to come, but we don't know when. I do want to see Hikaleo win his matches and I do want to see Hikaleo's story unfold in professional wrestling. Juice Robinson picks up the victory. It was his night, unfortunately, but that doesn't mean that there's no post-match beatdown. Hikaleo attacked Juice Robinson after the match to really cement the idea and fear that no one should have gotten the victory over him and no one should have gotten the one up on him, especially Juice Robinson. Now let's talk about Ishii versus Moose. This was a match that got created that to me fell out of left field because I did not know that Ishii and Moose faced each other in 2016 at Ring of Honor when Ring of Honor had the partnership with New Japan Pro Wrestling at the time. I never knew anything about that. So it was interesting when Moose had said to Ishii that this match is not going to be like our first encounter. And I never really watched Moose until I tuned into Impact Wrestling and saw the story with him unfold as the wrestling god and holding the TNA championship title and going after Kenny Omega for the Impact title. And I really do have to say that I am impressed with Moose. Moose has such an athletic background coming from football into professional wrestling. Sometimes that doesn't really translate well, but it's translating well for Moose and Moose could definitely move around the ring like no other can definitely do those high flying moves like no other for a big guy. Does he need to do it? No, but it's really nice to see. It's really nice to see something different from big guys. They don't always have to do the power moves. They don't always have to do a choke slam to end the match they could do something different that sets them apart from other big men in the business like for example when you watch NXT and you see those big guys what move are they constantly doing as their finisher they are constantly doing either a side slam or a black hole slam and that's it one two three their opponent is done they win the match well that's the equivalent of all the young lions doing a Boston crab it's unoriginal. No one remembers it. And I'm only pointing it out as the comparison of if you are a big guy in wrestling, do not keep doing a choke slam. Do not keep doing a side slam. Do not keep doing a black hole slam as your finisher. That move can definitely be in the middle of the match, but don't let it be your finisher because no one's going to remember. No one's going to care. And you're going to fade away into the background. Big men should have a place in professional wrestling no matter what. They should have a spotlight in professional wrestling no matter what. It's just a matter of tailoring your ability and your talents uniquely to yourself, uniquely to your character, uniquely to your story. But don't rely on the tropes of big man equals chokeslam. Don't rely on that. Ishii is a big guy too, but he absorbs a lot of punishment whenever he's on New Japan Pro Wrestling. He could definitely take a good ass fight. Ishii is New Japan Pro Wrestling's one third of the six men never tag team champions. His other two stablemates, Goto and Yoshihashi, are over in New Japan Pro Wrestling and holding it down over there. So this match is definitely a special match. And I really did enjoy it. 
Moose and Ishii went toe to toe. Moose came in with a hesitation drop kick in honor of Shibata. There was a lot of chops and forearms going back and forth between Moose and Ishii. And then when they did the close up of the stare down, you can tell how much of a height difference it was. Ishii manages to do a vertical suplex to Moose. Moose pulls out a Saido suplex to Ishii and Ishii misses the pump kick only to have a double clothesline knock both of them down for the time being. Moose comes off the top rope with a cross body and then a power bomb to Ishii. However, Ishii kicks out of that. Moose's talents are truly on display when he does a choke slam powerbomb variation to Ishii and everyone thought that was it. Everyone thought Ishii wouldn't kick out but Ishii has that New Japan Pro Wrestling fighting spirit and he kicks out of that. Ishii is fired up. He does a German suplex to Moose and then ends the match with a brain buster to Moose picking up the one, two, three, picking up the victory. That match told me that Moose could have carried Impact Wrestling if he would have dethroned Kenny Omega at the time of their fight to represent Impact at a New Japan show. I understand we're getting Bound for Glory in October and all the major promotions are going to be there. So everyone is going to be represented. But... What I don't understand is that Moose should be your go-to guy. Moose should be your guy that you rely on to carry the banner. I know Eddie Edwards carries the banner on his heart, on his sleeve. And I know everyone else at Impact does. But for a big show like this that accepted an Impact talent, and I'm not including the Good Brothers... For a show like this to accept an impact talent such as Moose to take on Ishii, don't you think it would have been amazing and beneficial impact wrestling if he would have went in there as both the Impact World Heavyweight Champion and the TNA Heavyweight Champion because Moose keeps claiming that he is the god of pro wrestling. Moose keeps claiming that that TNA heavyweight championship title is his and he made it his so why not have that representation at new japan resurgence him walking in as a champion representing impact wrestling and then you have ishii coming in as a champion as well even though he's one third of the never open weight tag team champions champion versus champion brand versus brand that would have been a better boost for impact wrestling gain more fans, more recognition, more popularity. Like that would have made sense to me. Let Moose be your banner. Let Moose carry the flag. If he would have taken it off early of Kenny Omega, we would have seen Moose definitely put his title belt in Ishii's face. And instead of Ishii trying to go after Jay White again, Ishii could have went after Moose and maybe get an Impact World Heavyweight Championship title match against Moose in the near future on Impact soil. Because Ishii right now does not need to challenge Jay White again for that never openweight championship title. If anything... We should revisit the original story of Jay White teaming up with the Gorillas of Destiny, Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa, 
to take on Goto, Yoshihashi, and Ishii. We should revisit that after the Gorillas of Destiny are done with the Good Sisters. It's a great time to be a fan. It's a great time to love the brand that you love and be loyal to the brand that you want to be loyal to. I'm loyal to Bullet Club. I'll say that here. However, I love all professional wrestling. So why not give in to fantasies like that? Why not be in the business of dreams like how the boss of New Japan Pro Wrestling puts it? I'm definitely in the business of dreams and I see things in a bigger, wider perspective than most. If Moose would have came out with the Impact and TNA Championship titles to represent Impact Wrestling, then why not? Why we didn't get it? Why is Moose not at the forefront of this war that's happening between AEW and Impact Wrestling? Well, now it's no longer a war because Christian Cage is now the Impact World Champion. They just retired the TNA Heavyweight Championship title. They probably should have had Moose out there too to be like, this is your belt. You could keep it. We retire it for you. So it's yours. Keep it. But, you know, that didn't happen. Anyway. Since Christian Cage took the belt off of Kenny Omega, I do not think we're going to still have a war, per se, between the two to try to get the belt back home. The belt is back home, but it would have been amazing to see those two belts on New Japan Pro Wrestling programming. Because Impact, think of it this way. Japan loves professional wrestling no matter what they keep everything kayfabe they really sit there and absorb everything that these guys do and they're so thankful for it so imagine if a japanese fan that's watching this ishii versus moose match and they have the japanese commentary because they're watching it through new japan world and if moose came out with the whole getup, the robe, the belts, that fan might turn into an Impact Wrestling fan because of the glamour that Moose is coming out in. Moose looks like a million bucks. Moose looks like a star. He knows how to carry himself. And that might attract new fans, Japanese fans, to Impact Wrestling. Of course, Impact and New Japan Pro Wrestling didn't have the best relationship in the past, but that's behind us now. And now we have a stronger partnership because of who's at management. So I'm just really curious as to why no one thought of this ahead of time. If we put the belts on Moose, have Moose make himself look like a million bucks and the star that he is, you guys would have gotten a lot more fans, a lot more stories and maybe a Japanese fan might tune into Impact Wrestling on YouTube for 99 cents, which you guys need to fix that shit and be in love with the rest of the characters on Impact Wrestling. And it's way different from Japan and all that. Like, that's the bigger picture. That's the bigger marketing picture that you guys could have capitalized on if we would have put the belts on Moose all the way back then. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is my rant on the what if Impact Wrestling put the double titles, the TNA Heavyweight Championship title, the Impact World Heavyweight Championship title on Moose for Moose to represent Impact Wrestling at New Japan Resurgence at the LA Coliseum against his match against Ishii. 
every single word that he said on Twitter, especially when he said that Ishii, this is not going to be the same match we had back in 2016 in Ring of Honor. He would have came out like a king. He would have came out like a star. And that would have, in everybody's mind, the perfect story set up. From 2016 to now, he definitely improved. He definitely matured as a wrestler. And representing Impact Wrestling with both the title belts is not only a huge honor, but it would have solidified Moose as the top contender in Impact Wrestling. So if you enjoyed this episode, thank you for listening all the way through. I highly appreciate it. If you guys want to support, it is super easy. Make sure to tell a friend about the Square Circle podcast hosted by yours truly, Marie Shadows. If you want to continue this conversation with me on the internet, all you got to do is just add me at Marie underscore shadows over on Twitter. Share this audio podcast from anchor.fm forward slash Square Circle podcast. And also share the video from YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Square Circle podcast. Now, there's one last thing I need you guys to do. This takes a lot of time and effort to produce, record, upload, edit everything under the sun. And if you want to support me directly, you can head over to my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Marie Shadows. I have a lot of content up there, including vlogs. Whenever I go on my indie wrestling trips, the podcast episodes, the video episodes, going to add some written content on there soon. And I'm going to add some commentary reels on there so you guys can give me your feedback and help me improve my commentary. If you really do enjoy professional wrestling as much as I do, please take the time to consider to go over to patreon.com forward slash Marie Shadows. It will mean the world to me and it'll be highly appreciative. So just remember, patreon.com forward slash Marie Shadows at Marie underscore shadows over on Twitter and anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast. All right, guys, you have been listening to an episode of the square circle podcast. I am your host, Marie shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.